six wins, more than anyone else has ever racked up in that role. Three Pac-12 championships, two Rose Bowl wins, beat Oregon six times, seven wins over USC, including one in the Pac-12 championship game, nine and three against Cal. It didn't end how any of us would have preferred, but David Shaw's dozen years of leading Stanford football is certainly one of the most remarkable eras in program history. But while many folks are interested in who's next, I'm more interested in what's next. And that's what we're going to talk about on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. Hey there, hi there, ho there, Monday, November 28th. 2022. Thank you for being with us on the show. <laughs> I was in uh, Texas um, on Sunday morning, uh, getting ready to head back to the Bay Area as I had play-by-play duties uh, for Compass Media Networks. I called Texas A&M's big upset over number five LSU. That was that was a great experience and a great game too. So I was in Texas on on Sunday morning. Did did I miss anything (laughs) that happened overnight on Saturday? (laughs) Oh, boy. Yes, David Lorenzo Shaw deciding to step down as the Bradford M. Freeman Director of Football at Stanford University. That's what we're talking about on this episode of the show. I'm Troy Clarity, Pac-12 play-by-play announcer. 30th year of following and covering Stanford football, and I just wrapped up my uh, Compass Media Network's college football national radio play-by-play slate uh, in College Station over the weekend. So thanks for being here with us. You can follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. The last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. And uh, as mentioned, um, I was in Texas. I woke up on Sunday morning around 6.30 Central Time. Check my email to uh, see what the final score of Stanford's game was against BYU. And uh, let's see. Oh, there it is. Oh, wait. Oh, what? Oh. 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 All right. Okay. So after Stanford's 35-26 loss to BYU to finish the Cardinals' season at 3-9, and nine, David Shaw made this announcement. I uh, just informed the team um, that I just coached my last game. At Stanford, um, it's been a great 16 years. It really has. Um, this is a, a decision that was really made this week. Um, two weeks ago, <clears throat> never would have thought we'd be having this conversation right now. Um, but really, you know, the last three to four days, a lot of prayer, um, conversations with my wife, Corey, um, and this one phrase just kept coming to me, it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time, David Shaw says. Shocked? I wasn't. Wasn't shocked. Surprised? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you why in a moment. 
First, though, the reminder that basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Well, normally we do three things as part of the tree cast, three things you need to know. But, well, you know, when you have one big news item that supersedes everything, we'll forego three things for this episode. So let's start here. During his postgame presser after BYU and after making the announcement of his decision to step away, Shaw was asked if he could sum up his tenure in one word. He couldn't do it right then and there. But during his goodbye presser on Monday, he found the word. It's magical. Um, I think about staying on that Pac-12 championship stage three times and holding up that unnecessarily heavy trophy. (laughs) Uh, It's like a dream. Um, Holding up that Rose Bowl trophy two times, standing on the the stage with my family. It's like a dream. Uh, Watching some of these guys be drafted in the NFL and have great careers. Um, It's it's magical. Um, Those that didn't go to the NFL, watching them go to different grad schools and medical school and law school and go start companies. It's, a, it's, it's magical. It's, it's almost like it wasn't real. Um, and most importantly, we changed a lot of lives. Stanford changed my life. And our program changed a lot of lives for the better. And uh, we took a lot of people in and turned them out into society uh, as men, and uh, very proud of that. Magical. And that that fits in so many different ways. I mean, when the program had, had Heisman contenders, had conference championship contenders, when we were making plans for Pasadena for New Year's, when the students were supporting Stanford football like I'd never seen before, and the program was was proving that, you know, yeah, Stanford can compete, win, win big, and win consistently in a college football system that makes it nearly impossible for schools like Stanford to compete, win, win big, and win consistently. It really was magical. And then, as magic sometimes does, poof, it largely disappeared with the last couple of years. No shortage of reasons. You know, if you're listening to this show, you've, you've heard the reasons before. They're well-documented. Injuries, scheme, staff, COVID, strength and conditioning, whatever. But, but there's no debating that Stanford went from being the big bad bully on the block. You know, you, you, might, you might walk into Stanford Stadium, but there was a pretty decent chance you might get wheeled out of there. And being the team that everyone was trying to emulate – to being a team that got pushed around and, and barely had enough healthy players to compete by November. And this, this year was, was especially tough and frustrating 
you know, promising offense with a lot of talent on it that, that turned it over way too much and then disappeared almost completely from view by, by mid-October. A defense that, that struggled at the start, then regrouped, hit back, regained its aggressive touch for a bit, and then collapsed again, mostly under the weight of injuries. And injuries taking their toll everywhere, offense, defense, wherever. It, it didn't matter. So put all those things together for this year, and you've got three and nine. Now, I've, I've appeared on radio shows and on podcasts over the past month to talk Stanford football. And, and, and of course, you know, I mean, the, the host would, would ask me if, if David Shaw was on the hot seat. You know, it is what it is. It kind of comes with the territory when you're, when you're covering a team that's struggling. And I, I would tell them what I honestly felt and exactly what I honestly felt. That David Shaw was as safe as he wanted to be. I said that on numerous occasions. I never got the sense that there were any conversations or any reservations about Shaw's job status among the administrators and other people whose opinions on the deal really mattered. But I also felt that there was a non-zero chance that Shaw himself might decide that, as it turned out, it was time. And that's exactly what ended up happening. So I, I, wasn't, I wasn't shocked by this. I was a little surprised, though, just a little bit. Look, we all know David Shaw is nothing if not determined, right? I mean, some would call it resolved. Others might call it stubborn. So on some level, Shaw walking away now at this point in time when there's so much at stake for the program and the athletic department, that surprised me a bit on some level. And to hear Shaw tell it after the BYU game, it surprised him, too. There are a lot of people that think this program is, is down, and that's what our record says. Um, but I look at the components. I look at the people here, um, the support uh, that I'm hearing coming from our athletic director, from our university president, um, the, the people that are behind uh, the scenes. Um, we're not that far away. Um, but, you know, once again, a, a week ago, 10 days ago, I was gung-ho to be uh, the person to lead us there. And uh, over the last few days, I realized it was time. It was time for me to step aside, time for the next group to come in. And um, hopefully, you know, whoever they hire next wins more games than I do. That would be awesome. I would love that. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be nice. That would be nice. But... You know, in the here and now, here we are. And in a lot of ways, a coaching change, whether it involves Shaw's staff and or Shaw himself, and, and whether that decision came from Shaw or elsewhere, that's the easy part, right? That was the easy part. Now comes the hard part. So what's next? And who's next? I'm less interested in who is on Bernard Muir's short list. I'm more interested in what the university leadership's response to this is going to be. 
Because if the university leadership isn't committed, not only does that affect your coaching candidate pool, it ultimately makes it tougher for it to matter whom the coach actually is, right? And look, it's, it's, it's no secret that, that everything's swirling around college athletics these days, name image likeness, realignment, TV deals, the transfer portal, all of those things put Stanford University in an existential crisis when it comes to athletics. This is no secret. We talked about this, right, during, during, the, during the Pac-12 football media day episode when we were down in L.A. And we discussed it at length with Bernard Muir himself while we were down in Los Angeles back in late July. So, so we've covered that ground already. And a lot of the directions that college athletics seem to be going in right now don't necessarily seem to mesh too neatly with how Stanford University prefers to operate. So when you consider that, and when you go back to the fact that, look, we're only 18 months removed from 11 Stanford sports programs having to be saved and reinstated from the chopping block. So when you consider those two things, part of you might start to question which way the university is going to go in all this. Realizing that Stanford's a unique place and that Stanford works differently and that Stanford is a university that, that doesn't exist merely to field a football team. Let's face it, some of those schools you, you kind of wonder about. How committed is Stanford to finding ways to compete at the highest levels? How much reasonable support? I mean, look, I'm not expecting the university to all of a sudden just say, all right, gung-ho, you know, let the gates open, whoever you want to come in, come in, let's go out there and win football games. That's the most important thing. No, no, I don't expect the university to take that approach, but how much reasonable support can athletics expect given the parameters that the university operates itself under? I mean, that's the big question, right? If I were a candidate for the job, those would be my first questions to the university leadership because that's what all of this hinges upon. All of it. So given all of that, I'll admit that last week when, when David Shaw announced that, that there have been conversations with university leadership in the admissions office and and the folks in Building 10, about, about figuring out a process to partake in the transfer portal, I was encouraged. I was encouraged by that. And as a reminder, as he told us on November 22nd, Shaw was pretty encouraged too. Being able to uh, operate in the portal, I think is huge. Um, you know, not just to, you know, uh, fill in where you maybe didn't get a, a recruit that you wanted coming out of high school, but just to be able to say, hey, there's someone that fits our program um, that, especially in our case, may be a really good student, um, that's a really good football player, and maybe fits perfectly on our team that um, went someplace else for a year or two or, or however long and um, is now back in the portal and is now a viable option for us. Um, those are those are positives. Those are things that um, you know, I'm sure some people hearing this are, are excited or and, and surprised maybe to hear, um, but that administration-wise and admissions-wise that we understand this as part of the new world and that we're uh, open to uh, participating in it. Do, do you think that could have helped give Stanford some experience on the defensive line entering this season? Do, do you think the transfer portal and being able to kind of at the very least grab a few folks out of there 
Do you think that might have helped with a little depth in the running back room this year? So the fact that that those conversations are even being held are encouraging to me. Stanford Athletic Director Bernard Muir on what those conversations say about the university's commitment level to athletics going forward. We want to compete at the highest level. And so we want to get back to competing for Pac-12 championships. We want to allow uh, coach and student athletes to hoist that heavy trophy that David just talked about. Uh, and uh, the university is committed. Now, I will tell you the last couple of years as David and I tried to navigate this uh, landscape, which has changed so dramatically, it has been difficult. Um, and we're working through NIL issues and trying to figure out how where Stanford fits in that that realm and how we can better support our student athletes. We're primarily doing it through education at this point, uh, but we're also monitoring what's going on uh, around the country. Uh, certainly transfer portal, and David mentioned that, we're having conversations with admissions and other administrators on campus, seeing uh, if we can find the right student athletes that may have gone someplace else, made a, a different decision uh, coming out of high school, but now uh, we, I would say see the light uh, and understand the, the value of a Stanford education. Uh, and if they meet the qualifications in order to get in, I think there's a window. We can't build a roster full of uh, transfers, uh, but certainly we can at least hopefully dip our toe uh, in the water there and see if there's the right individuals that can join uh, this program. Uh, but all in all, I, I say in light of everything that's circulating in college sport, there's a way for Stanford to be successful uh, because it's Stanford and Stanford can be uh, successful uh, in football on the national stage and has done it before and will do it again. It's Bernard Muir. And again, that's encouraging, right? And, and, and let's face it, say what you want to about David Shaw and the coaching staff. And many of you have, but this is the change that really needs to be made. Nothing else matters if Stanford cannot supplement its roster. Now, of course, they'll, they'll, they'll still be interested in recruiting folks who, who want to be here for four years, and why wouldn't you want to be, and, and, and developing them. And no, Stanford isn't going to go all USC and just import an all-star team and turn over a roster overnight. I mean, that's, that's not how Stanford operates. But it would be nice to even be able to have that as an option, right? So, so that's a start. That's a start. Certainly a lot of nuts and bolts that you still need to sort through. I mean, you know, you, you can't just fill out some paperwork and then boom, all of a sudden you've transferred to Stanford. Congratulations. No, that's, that's not how it works. You know, you put your name in the portal in early December. Can you be admitted and in class for the start of winter quarter in the first week of, Dece in the first week of January? There are a lot of nuts and bolts and things to be sorted through. And so we'll, we'll see what the end of that process is, how it looks, and, and how long it takes to get there. I mean, look, don't forget, Stanford University was very slow to the early enrollee game, right? Very slow to wake up to that and to warm up to that. And you know what? We've already seen some of the effects of that with, with David Bailey, Ari Patu, uh, a couple guys who come to mind. That certainly seemed to help, the, help out those guys. But overall, I'm encouraged by it. I'm encouraged by it. Because Stanford needs to turn this into a transfer portal instead of a transfer trap door. And seeing that and hearing those things, and again, actions speak louder than words. Everyone's saying the right things right now. But it indicates that the university is receptive to playing ball at the highest level.
and still finding ways to do it without compromising how the school operates and what the school is really all about. But overall, to me, that's the big what's next that needs to be answered. What else is next? Well, let's start with David Shaw himself. And during his presser on Monday, he was quick to note that that this decision and what's to come for him in the immediate future, it's it wasn't all about the R word. Notice I did not use the word retirement. <laughs> um, I have not said the word retirement. Um, as I said, this is this is time, um, time for me to step away, uh, time for for Stanford to find that next person to lead. And I said it the other day, you know, this program. I don't like to say myself this program. Um, you know, Four time coach of the year has never happened before, winningest program in school history. Um, I hope the next person beats it. I really do. Um, I know Bernard's going to find the right person. Um, we've got a lot of great young people here. Um, a lot of recruits and are waiting to see what's going to happen. But as we said, this place is special. This place is magical and uh, can't wait for Stanford to be on top again. Yeah, Sean, not closing the door to maybe coaching perhaps again somewhere down the line. He's not retired you know, or anything like that. Now, of course, as, mo- as many of you know, he's done NFL Network, has been on their main set uh, for NFL Draft Day on the first day for the past few years. And he's he's terrific at it. Uh, certainly has the certainly has the knack for for communication and the ability to be able to do so in in, in quick quick sound bites. But he also has the ability to communicate and give you long detailed answers when necessary. It's one of the many things I I appreciate about Shaw. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if if you see him on a TV screen somewhere talking football this fall. That wouldn't surprise me one bit. You know what? It also wouldn't surprise me if you didn't see him at all and he just kicked back at the house and just did nothing. I get it. Coaching is a tough, tough gig, man. Tough gig. It's hard on everyone around you. Your family, your kids, your wife, you. So I, I, it would not surprise me at all if he just completely pushed away from the world of football, even though that's that's by and large the only world that that he's ever known, especially from a, uh, particularly from a from a from a professional standpoint. But it wouldn't surprise me if you didn't see him at all. What's next for Bernard Muir? During Monday's press conference, I asked him that very question. Yes, the search is on. It was on. Uh, I got back at 2 o'clock after the game, and by 4 o'clock, I was getting a call from a search firm, uh, which indicated to me we got to get going. Um, I I have a a group of Stanford uh, folks who are forming a committee. Um, uh, I won't go into the detail of who's on that committee, but uh, I, I will continue to visit with them. Uh, ask for guidance and resource and uh, for their uh, collective, um, their their mindset, their mind share, if you will. Uh, and then from there, we're going to go out and try to get the very best person to lead our our young people uh, to get back to what David has established and, and many before him. Um, and, and we're going to do it uh, to set a time frame. Uh, we're trying to move quickly, but I, as I told our student athletes last night, uh, we, we want to be very deliberate in a Stanford fashion and find the right person. And so we're going to scour the country uh, and uh, get get as quickly as we can uh, a person on board. And we know, um, you know, we, we have recruiting windows here to to solidify the next class. 
uh, the power of Stanford. We've got a couple commits yesterday and we don't have a coach. Uh, and but they understand the value of a Stanford education, and and so I'm excited to to find that person. Uh, there's been a lot of interest already expressed uh, to us, uh, but we have to go through our our due diligence and and bring that person on board uh, as quickly as possible. So some generalities to Bernard's answer, and understandably so. But there's no doubt about this: the clock is ticking. It's ticking, and the timing on this announcement pretty tricky, right? You know, early initial signing day is later in December. It comes right around quicker than, than a lot of us, I think, really realize. So clock's already ticking on this, and folks need to need to get in place as, as quickly as reasonably as reasonably possible, right? Mir was later asked if if Power Five experience or a track record of coaching at a place that's known more for academics than whether its ball team is in the playoff race or not. Is important. You know, the main thing is there's just a proper fit. I, to say that they have to have Power Five experience or uh, have to be a, a, from a West Coast presence, uh, the main thing uh, that's to me is not necessary. It's just finding the person that values what Stanford offers, values the people that David just mentioned that you're surrounded by every day, and how do you use that to, to your advantage uh, to bring in the best and brightest and compete. Uh, and so uh, there's not a set list of criteria other than that we want to have somebody that values the the balance between uh, athletics and academics, which is really important at this place. Do it with integrity, which is what David did uh, for uh, 12 years here as head coach. Uh, and we, we want to grow and allow our, our program to continue to thrive and compete at a national level. And so that's what we're looking for. Uh, and I do believe based on the interest thus far, we're going to be able to find that. And again, that answer from Bernard makes sense. I mean, you don't want to limit your candidate pool too much before you start interviewing folks for the gig. That being said, I would imagine that Bernard has had his short list in mind for a while for this particular role. I mean, as an athletic director, you have to, right? You, you, you've got to. You, you always have to keep that in the back of your mind. No matter how stable you think your coaching situation is, things change, man. Things change. What's next for the program? Who knows? It's way too early to tell. And, and I think that'll be true even after the new coach is hired and announced and after we get a chance to, to get our initial impressions of whomever the new coach is will be running the show for Stanford football. So it's, it's way too early to tell. I'm not going to get into the roster because we have no idea what it's going to look like. I mean, they're, they're – Look, there, there are a, a few guys on the team that right now I'd love to talk about and say, hey, I can't wait to see this person play. I can't wait to see this person come back next year. I can't wait. To... I, I can't. I can't. I have no idea what the roster is going to look like next year. Nobody does. Transfer portal opens on December 5th. So things will, will start to form at that point in time. As far as who's next, we'll get that answer as quickly yet as deliberatively as possible. <laughs> as, as funny as that sounds to say. I mean, what was, what was that John Wooden would, uh, would say back in the day? Uh, be quick, but don't hurry. I guess, the, I guess that's kind of the, the, the same thing that's at work here. Final soundbite from David Shaw's farewell press conference from Monday that I'll play for you here on the TreeCast. Uh, Shaw was asked to pinpoint his favorite moments as Stanford football's 
head coach ridiculous victories you know triple overtime against usc rose bowl championships record setters and christian mccaffrey and bryce love richard sherman and all that he did doug baldwin um solomon thomas chase thomas um uh trent murphy uh like i can't name all the plays and all the times and all the moments there's just too many um and then selfishly just being the stanford coach um meeting a lot of people who are just around this place and this place attracts high level people um uh, gosh actors and uh captains of industry um uh tiger woods you know best golfer ever um i've just met so many people being in this in this job um because of who stanford attracts um on a day-to-day -day basis, I don't know how many people I pass that are the best in the world at what they do. Um, from Tara Vanderveer to uh, Katie Ledecky um, to our women's tennis program. Uh, and just knowing that there are superstars everywhere you go on campus. Um, and I chuckle sometimes when someone says they look up to me. I'm like, you look up to me? You see who else is here? <laughs> Uh, and so just being, uh, in this, in this area, um, being on this campus and not feeling, um, anything but desire to do it the right way and do it well, um, with the right people, um, because that's what happens in this place. So, um, you know, the, the, some of the magical things are obvious they're on national TV for everybody to see. And some of the magical things are side conversations with the people that are on this campus and not to mention i met you know two presidents on this campus uh just just that's you just you attract the best and the brightest here well said i i really think uh across the board by by shaw in that answer and i think that's a as a perfect soundbite to, to to wrap wrap things up with him on at least on this show um yeah he's 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 class in 95 right you know, he was his dad coached at Stanford. He had been on campus as a kid, walked across the stage, got the degree, been a coach for a grand total of sixteen years for this for the, for this uh, for this football program. So, look, I, I he knows what a special place that Stanford is, and and most of you, I think, out there know what a special place that Stanford is. It certainly is to me. I mean, this is a it's a special place. It's a special program, and I care a lot about this program. I, you know, certainly it's borne out in the the things I've done in my career. This was my thirtieth season of following Stanford football, and and doing this podcast, which is normally focused around Stanford football since twenty fifteen. You know, at my own expense, I don't get paid for this. This is not this is not the official Stanford Athletics podcast. Uh, and Stanford Athletics, I feel the need to remind some of you out there, Stanford Athletics has no say or input on any of the editorial content on this show. So, you know, I do this on my own time and on my own dime. That's how much I've cared about this program and still will. So, you know, this is a, this is a program that means a lot to all of us. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing if, if the university and the athletic department get it right. As for David Shaw, was he perfect? No. <laughs> no, he was not perfect. I mean, he punted from inside plus territory too often for my taste. 
I still don't know why he didn't put K.J. Costello in during that game at Oregon State in 2016. That's still beyond me. So was he perfect? No. Was he the perfect representative for Stanford football and ambassador for Stanford University? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely say that. He wasn't just all about Stanford football. I mean, sometimes, you know, you see these, see the football coach and they're all football all the time, 25 8. You know, and you don't see them really interact with any of the other coaches or any of the other programs. That could have been further from the truth with Shaw. I'd see I'd see him drop in his Stanford men's soccer games just by himself. Just just, you know, just hang out for a bit. He was a regular at Pac-12 women's lacrosse tournament when Stanford hosted it. Last year, it was kind of fun to see him hanging around Stanford Stadium in the stands and not on the sideline. And he's responsible for some of the greatest moments I've had in 30 years of covering this team. And I hope you enjoyed those moments, too. Even even when Stanford was competing for Rose Bowls, going to Rose Bowls, winning Rose Bowls, there's always that that faction of folks who were just unsatisfied no matter what. Well, you know what? I, I hope you enjoyed those times when Stanford was at the peak of its powers more than maybe you seem to let on. Because who knows when those days are going to come back, hopefully very, very soon. If Stanford, as a university and as an athletic department, makes the correct decisions. But, you know, David, Sean, I go back 16 years, really. I mean, his first, well, I go back to 2008 with him as far as talking to him anyway. You know, back during my days hosting the Stanford Daily Updates. Remember those those three-minute updates <laughs> that came on every day on the radio side? I used to host those back when I was living in Connecticut and working for ESPN. And that August of 2008, that was our first conversation. So we go back a long ways. And I always appreciate how generous um, he was with his time how patient he was with me when I asked him questions that he, that he might not necessarily have quite have liked. <laughs> and when he jumped on this very show for, for one-on-ones on numerous occasions and just all around being a terrific representative of Stanford football and ambassador for Stanford University. Thank you, Coach Shaw. And I'm looking forward to to seeing what you have up your sleeve and what you do or don't do. <laughs> you might just might just hit a beach somewhere and just hang out there for, for a while, for a couple of years. But looking forward to seeing what Coach Shaw does in the future. So now, with that, next coach up. And now, with that, we are out of our regular posting schedule. This is the end of the Stanford football season, so... You know, as many of you know, during the football season, we normally came at you twice a week unless I had other commitments, as was originally supposed to be the case um, this past week. But we are now going to be out of our regular posting schedule. I would imagine, however, that we will have a new episode coming your way once the new Stanford football head coach is announced and introduced. So looking forward to finding out the answers to those questions. But until then, and I said this on, on, on last week's episode as well, I uh, can't thank you enough for checking out the show, for supporting the show, rating the show, reviewing it, telling people about it. Um, even during this year when, quite honestly, there weren't a whole lot of good things to talk about on the field, right? 
you know, not a whole lot of a lot of pleasant things to talk about on the field. And it was a bit of a challenge sometimes. But thank you for for hanging in there and for supporting the program, for supporting the show, and for supporting Stanford football. It's a special place, and looking forward to seeing how seeing where things go from here. We will talk to you next time on the TreeCast, whenever that might be. In the meantime, don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay sane. And thank you for being with us here on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. 